Jaws 2 is 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 the story of my life as it comes down to dating, right? Yeah. It's all about <laughs> like when 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 Roy Scheider says that was a shark attack, and I know it's a shark attack, and I don't want to live through it before again. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, there's a moment in every relationship I've ever had where like all of a sudden I hear Chief Brody yelling in my yeah. head, going, yeah. I don't intend to go through that hell again. Yeah. It's usually it, after the breakup, right? So it, Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Badass Mofo. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, David Walker. And I'm Sean Awalo. And welcome. we're just here to chop it up, right? Yes, we are. So, you know, we start we start at the top of every, every episode by just a, sort of a recap of what Badass Mofo is about. Uh, and you're going to do something a little bit different this time, um, probably harken back more to our, our, our first episode, which is Badass Mofo is a brand that, that David Walker uh, created years ago. I mean, at this point, uh, well, well over well over a decade. Um, it, it over was, two decades, bro. Two decades, right? <laughs> it's a fanzine uh, on on all things black exploitation. It it allowed him to uh, very often be the expert voice in that genre. Uh, it spawned a successful clothing line, a magazine. And when we were talking about, you know, names for this podcast, it just felt appropriate to bring that back in part for what we've always talked about, that we feel that everyone, uh, regardless of race and sex, uh, uh, has the chance to be a badass mofo. And so it just felt like it's an all encompassing term. That being said, it's a somber day for the badass mofo family. Um, one of the earlier, one of the early supporters of the brand. Uh, uh, was lost to us uh, uh, this recently. And, um, and so, you know, I want Dave to sort of, you know, share his thoughts and, and, and let's give him a little bit of tribute because I, I remember him in the early days and he certainly was instrumental in, in helping to push the brand and build the brand um, in those early days. Yeah, you know, um, so I, I started Badass Mofo, like Sean said, back in around 95 or so and and it and it quickly grew into to something much bigger than i had ever imagined <clears throat> and um you know as us, us publishing it as a as a you know, really rough around the edges zine and and then it grew into a bigger almost traditional magazine but not quite i started doing a lot of conventions most of them were uh comic conventions because at that point there was um there was also a thriving zine community and and you get a handful of zinesters i guess for lack of a better term would be at these conventions and uh and mike culbertson was a was a friend of mine he lived in in portland and he was really tight with these uh with these two other guys that i knew ian and tyson smith ian and tyson uh brothers and and they had their comic that they were publishing and and so mike would hang out with them and and it was through the three of them that I really got definitely got pulled into the the world of independent publishing, self-publishing, zines, all that sort of stuff. And um, you know, Mike and I were already friends, but we really we hit it off. And so starting in the late 90s, I started attending conventions like the Alternative Press Expo, which was in San Jose at the time, then it eventually moved to San Francisco. Uh, I started, I went in 98, I went to my first San Diego Comic Con. And, and Mike was always there. He was part of the, the team. We would, we would usually fly down 
most of us would fly down on the same flight from Portland to either San Francisco or San Jose or San Diego. And it would be me and the Smith brothers and Mike would be there. And, and he was just, you know, like I said, he was part of the team. I was telling somebody after his, his death that if, if we had all been a band, Mike would have been like the guitar tech or, or the, or the sound engineer. Right. And, um, he was just a really great guy. And, and, um, because because the Smith brothers, there's two of them. They would have their table at the convention. Mike would help out with them. But because it was just me at my table, Mike sort of gravitated towards uh, towards my space, and he would help out a lot. And and he was just like such a great guy and a, and a natural salesman that he actually became a better salesman than I was. And <laughs> we'd be at these conventions. We'd be literally at, at like San Diego Comic Con when before it became what it is today when you could still walk up on a saturday afternoon and buy a ticket and get in and and have a fighting chance and mike would just you know be there at the table and and like people would walk by and it was a combination of really intimidating hard sales and then like this jokester quality that he had and uh and he really you know i i it's when you're doing stuff with your life i don't care what it is you have to remember that none of us do anything alone and that we are always part of a team, even when we don't feel like we're part of a team, even when we feel like we're, we're Mr. T in Rocky three, right. Where, you know, he's like, I live alone. I train alone. Yeah. I win the title alone. Ah. But it's, it's really, it's far more complicated than that. And uh, Mike got sick with cancer about a year and a half ago. And um, you know, I, I would see him and talk to him fairly regularly, but not, you know, in hindsight, not regularly enough. And sadly, he he passed away a few days back. And, you know, I've just been, you know, obviously been an emotional wreck for a whole host of reasons, because losing a friend who's, you know, really young still, I mean, Mike's still in his 40s, um, is always difficult. But during a, a time like the the pandemic that we've been dealing with, it's it's not like, you can get together and have like a, you know, throw back a few drinks with some friends or have a memorial or even go to a, a funeral. And so it's just been really difficult. But then, you know, Sean calls up and says, Hey, we, we need to talk about Mike on the show. And, um, you know, I can't argue with that because the last several days in between, like just crying, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'll just start laughing like a madman. Cause I remember some crazy yeah. shit Mike did. Cause that was it. He was, he honestly was one of the funniest people I've ever met. And part of what made him so funny was that, you know, there's those, those people who just try really hard to be funny and they're not, you know, it's like they think they're funny uh, and they'll crack a joke and nobody laughs. And uh, Mike wasn't like that, he, but he, he had this dry, witty sense of humor. And, and half the time you wouldn't know if he was joking or not, you know, and he would say these things and he would almost never, like, he'd never crack a smile. He'd never laugh. He'd never let on that there'd be a joke until, usually to the point you were, like, so frustrated or so, like, this is the most ridiculous thing another person could say to me. And then you'd realize, oh, yeah, he, he's just pulling my leg. And so, you know, in this this very somber time that I've had with, um, you know, I, I've been communicating with with Ian Smith more than Tyson, but but other people uh, that, that all part of this, this circle that we ran in and, and it's, 
everybody's saying the same thing. Mike was such a nice guy and he was so sweet and so funny. And it's, it's such a weird feeling, you know, we've all lost someone at one point or another, but it's, it's, you know, it's rare that you, that you lose somebody who every single time you were with them, they made you laugh hysterically. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's like you're mourning the loss, but at the same time you're laughing and it creates this really weird dynamic that I've just been going through for, for the last several days. And, you know, I just want to, I want to acknowledge as you did at the top of the show, Sean, that, you know, without Mike, I, I don't know where this would be. I don't know if we'd be doing this show to be a hundred percent honest with you, because, um, you know, there was a time when I would be alone at a convention thinking, I can't do this. I'm not making any sales. And, and then Mike would come along and, you know, give me that pep talk. And then he'd get out there and he starts selling stuff. And, and I realized after his passing that I have, I have a, a fan base that in, in many regards, he's, he's definitely part of helping me build it, you know? Um, and, and that's just, uh, it's a crazy thing. It's a crazy thing to try to wrap your head around. Yeah, no, well, well said, well said. So, you know, one of the, probably the best way we can, we can, we can honor him is, is by jumping into something that is distinctly uh, ridiculous, ridiculous <laughs> yeah. and, and something that would be completely badass mofo. Yeah. Um, so to that, and we're going to sort of tail, uh, you know, tail dove from where we were, last week uh, yeah. when we were talking about Escape from L.A. And, and we had some, some criticism of that movie, both good and bad. But then on, on, on your social media this week, you, you sort of went in, in, in a little bit more and came up with a list of movies uh, that never should have had a sequel and did. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so let, or, you know, or at least sequels that we wish were done better. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah. We, we, that's a good way of putting it. You know, yeah. like, like, like those sequels represent people's work, but we just wish that they had worked a little <laughs> bit smarter, harder, and better. Um, so to that end, let's 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 jump into that list, starting with your with your number one, and 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 you know we'll try to so the show doesn't end up being a 3 hour opus we'll <laughs> we'll we'll censor ourselves and 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 keep it like in a reasonable amount of time per film but Got uh, it. well you know and i think what do you that, have at number 1 sir well just so you know the list was well, it was it was it was a random list it wasn't like the number one movie yeah. but that said the number one movie that i think um i i wish there was never a sequel or they had done the sequels differently i'm pretty sure on that list was first blood was uh, the Stallone movie First Blood, which I think is is if not his best movie, it's definitely in his top three or so. And um, I haven't seen the last, the most recent Rambo movie that came out a year or so ago, but I, yeah. I have seen all the others. And uh, you know, Rambo First Blood Part Two, which you know has just a horrible title was not a particularly good movie and then rambo 3 was atrocious and then john rambo was one of the first movies that i've ever seen in my life where i thought to myself oh this is what people mean when they say something's too violent right so <laughs> uh with the, with the it's like they perfected splatter cam so you know that was the first one for me it definitely wasn't the first experience i had with a sequel. And I think that that's kind of crucial because there's, um, you know, you and I grew up in an era where sequels 
there were sequels. There's always been sequels to films since the 30s. Um, but there's it really came into its own in the 80s. Yeah. 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 And and so we kind of grew up in this era of like, man, that movie's great. Like Escape from New York, right? Um, or better yet, because one of the first experiences I had, and I didn't put this on the list actually, because I knew it would be a huge fight, um, was was Mad Max, mm -hmm. right? It was was actually the Road Warrior, which was a, right. I think a superior film, it was a great sequel to Mad Max. But Beyond Thunderdome was one of my first experiences as a kid of like, I wish they had never made this movie. Yeah. This was, yeah. you know, this was it was so terrible. And then, of course, a few years ago, Fury Road came out and that movie was great. Yeah. So 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 Mad Max had like one bad uh, installment in the in the in the four film magnum opus that it is. Yeah. So I, I didn't include that. But, um, you know, what what else was on the list? There was. Well, let's go. Let's let's go back to Rambo for a second. Okay, this is interesting because I, I love when this happens. Yeah. Um, I I didn't mind the sequel. I yeah. mind the subsequent sequels. Um, yeah. I was, however, very aware, and 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 more so as time has gone on, that the tone of First Blood was really. You're right. One of Stallone's best movies, and and felt more like his original Rocky, where he was really saying something and it was about the human spirit and the human condition and veterans and PTSD and, and in some respects things that we weren't even talking about and it wasn't even being covered yet. So yeah. it really is a a great movie. And and I liked the the second one, but it's also very clear that in the second one Rambo goes from being this this you know character to basically being a superhero. The same yes. way the Rocky films he sort of becomes this Superman of, of, of boxing, you know, and, and um, so I am aware of that, but I'm not going to lie. I, I went to see that in the theater. I was super entertained. I probably saw it uh, again on VHS or whatever. I, I, <laughs> I, um, I totally enjoyed that going in there and getting the POWs. And it's funny because it, it then spawned a bunch of uh, other movies like Chuck Norris and a bunch of copycat, like, you know, Prisoner of War, go save the POWs yeah. uh, uh, movies. Um, but I did dig that one. We're, we're on the same page about, um, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah. That was one of those first <laughs> movies where I was like, if I could erase this from my memory, so I just have a fond memory of Mad Max and Road Warrior, I, I would be yeah. good. And then, and yeah, Fury Road was awesome. Um, didn't feel anywhere like it was an extension of the first two felt like it was sort of a reboot for sure, but, um, but a really well done. one. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was, and that's crucial. I think that that is, I think for us, maybe, and maybe, or I should say for me, maybe, one of the reasons I, I become so hypercritical of sequels is because, at the, again, we grew up in a time when they were really fairly rare within Hollywood. Or I should say they were regulated to movies like Friday the 13th. Like right. you knew almost every year you're going to get a Friday the 13th movie or some knockoff. Um, the number two movie on my list, and again, this was not in any sort of uh, real order, but it was just what was popping in my head at the time. It was The Matrix. Um, you know, it was like it, it, you mentioned if you could go back and just erase the experience of having seen something. Um, I would have to say that the second and third Matrix movies for me were, they're it. More so than even the um, 
you know, the Star Wars prequels, which I'm notorious for not liking. Yes, you are. Um, you know, uh, but the, the problem with the Matrix movies was that, um, you know, Star Wars, you had Empire Strikes Back, which was a which was such an amazing sequel. And then you had Return of the Jedi, which for its problems was still fun. And it was and it was those retreats. Right. Um, the Matrix. Yeah, there were some unanswered questions at the end of the first movie. There was there's things to be resolved. But um, at the end of the day, sometimes you just don't want them resolved, especially right. if they're, right. you know, reloaded or revolutions, you know. Um, I think you might have liked them more than I did. Um, so it's funny. This is, this is what makes for a spirited conversation. I, I love the first Matrix. Um, as did I, yep. And you I, were the one who turned me on to it. I almost wasn't going to go see it. And you I, called I, me, you were like, I got to see this movie. Yep. Um, I'm very fond of the second one up to a, up to a certain point, and yeah. I totally didn't like the third one. Here's the funny thing, though. The, the, the second one was on TV this past week, and I, I, did, I ended up getting caught. I got caught in the Matrix, and, <laughs> and, and I started watching it. And then it led me on Friday night, because I hadn't seen it so long, to watch the third one, right? Okay. Um, and I realized that, yeah, like, like – but it's funny because I like the Matrix as a whole, as a movie, on every level. I okay. like Matrix uh, this Reloaded primarily for the action and, 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 and truly for, like, the Burly Man park fight scene, uh, specifically, <laughs> the, you know, Neo fighting the Merovingian. I thought it was well-coordinated, one of the best-coordinated, like, sort of wire work fight scenes. Um, yeah done and then to me what is absolutely still the benchmark of 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 uh, of car chases that highway car chase scene in part because the wachowskis literally built a highway next to the 101 in oakland and i was like to this day i'm still like who does that who just builds an actual <laughs> fake highway to blow a bunch of cars up and just create mayhem um I don't know, you know, who knows, you know, maybe we'll see that again. But like, yeah, that's when I literally sometimes will just honestly go to that car chase scene and just yeah. watch that scene. Um, you know, so yeah, so, but, but it, it's funny because I was like, maybe I'll feel good about the third one now. And I was like, no, not really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, see, and, and therein lies one of the differences between you and I, how we've gotten, we've, we've met more in the middle over the years. Right. One of our, our fundamental disagreements uh, on movies has has always been over stuff like um, you can sort of compartmentalize aspects of a movie more. Whereas, because right. um, I I didn't mind the second Matrix movie, I didn't mind Revolutions or Reloaded. Um, but by the time we got to the third one, it was one of those scenarios where it was like, yeah, okay, I don't like the second one after all. You know, yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. like, um, and and yeah, I agree with you. Like, yeah, there are some great action sequences, but by and large, that's never enough to salvage something for me, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, and, and, and so it's, it's funny because I, I have this attitude more often than not going back to our last episode, where we were talking about escape from LA, where it's pretty rare that a movie that doesn't move me right away will um, cause me to go back and reevaluate it, you know, at some point in a later date. And, and the thing is, is I probably would have gone back and reevaluated uh, Matrix Reloaded if it wasn't for Revolutions. Yeah. Know, Revolutions is a thing that kind of did it in for me. Just yeah. like 
Um, as much I, think as I, it, I think it didn't for a lot of people, by the yeah, way. Yeah. yeah. So. And, and one of the things that wasn't on my list was, was Kill Bill, because I love half of Kill Bill Part 2, but the other half I have no use for. And it's like, no, I would just would have rather seen like a three and a half, four hour movie yeah. that, that, you know, trimmed off some of that fat than, um, than what we, than, than what we ended up getting. And that's something that, that, you know, people fight with me about all the time. So I don't, you know, I don't even like to get into that one. Um, the, I, that's a tough one, by the way. I mean, yeah, Kill Bill yeah. is one of my, the volume one is one of my favorite movies. Uh, like I watched that probably once a year and love the first one. Like yeah. it's geek nirvana to me, but the second one, yeah, there's, there's half of it that I really love and maybe another quarter that's okay, but I think they could have sort of done, yeah, uh, just a, a longer, I'm with you. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is, as I think about it, there's there, part of what I don't like about Kill Bill Volume 2 is that it's, um, I, I don't know, I, I, th- th- this is probably a conversation to get into later because it's, it, it actually feeds into some of my, my creative neuroses, uh, the creative neuroses of what happens if, if you become so good at what you do that nobody stops you. Nobody says, right. hey, don't do this, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, you know, number three on the list, which isn't really th- my third, you know, the number three movie of all time that shouldn't have had any sequels, but Jaws, you know, um, Jaws is clearly a movie that did not need any sequels. Mm-hmm. And, and the more of them that you got, the worst you know, Jaws, Jaws 2 wasn't terrible. Right. But Jaws 3, Jaws yeah. 4, um, was there a Jaws five? I don't even know if there's. I, I, I think they're probably. What was, what was the Mario Van Peebles one like that? <laughs> I, think, I think that was Jaws four. The Revenge. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, you know, but it was just like, why bother go back and revisit it? And and I can only revisit Jaws two if I if I read into it a lot of stuff that's not there. You know, it's yeah. one of those things like, uh, you know, the the like Jaws is the first Jaws to me is uh, a movie that's ultimately about. Um, man dealing with his own fears and, and insecurities, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas Jaws Two is 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 the story of my life as it comes down to dating, right? Yeah. It's all about <laughs> like when 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 Roy Scheider says that was a shark attack, and I know it's a shark attack, and I don't want to live through it before again. <laughs> right, I've yeah. been through that hell before. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, there's a moment in every relationship I've ever had where. Like all of a sudden, I hear Chief Brody yelling in my yeah. head, going, yeah. I don't intend to go through that hell again. Yeah. It's usually it, oh, after the breakup, right? So, it's, yeah, it's, it's funny because, um, because I agree, but I, I mean, I, I mean, Jaws was the first, um, first blockbuster I ever saw in the theater. I yeah, remember yeah. it was a big deal. My dad taking me to see it, and like, you know, a lot of kids my age weren't getting right going to see it, but we, he, I think I, I did something good. And he just rewarded me, and it was like, the summer blockbuster was born. Um, yeah. And yeah, the second one I didn't see in the theater, I think even, I think I might've waited till it was on VHS or something like that. But, um, but I liked it. I thought it was okay, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, anything special as, as, as time has gone on and I become a parent, I actually appreciate it more because it's like, yo, your kids just aren't listening to you. You know, you told them <laughs> not to go out in the boat, you know, <laughs> and they just went out in the boat and now you got to go out there and save them, you know? <laughs> and, and, and what you really want to do is kick their ass me. And like, I know I didn't, I told you not to take the boat out and stay on land. And I had to come out here and kill this shark and people are dead. All oh, cause you guys didn't listen. You're grounded for life. Yeah. So it's like, um, 
Who are we kidding? By the time you're done with any effect of, of Spielberg and Roy Scheider's gone, yeah, the movies, the, the three, four, five, whatever they were. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's the, the Jaws 2. The thing that makes it work is that, as you just said, you read into it the what it means to be a parent. I read into it what it means to date. date. Jaws 2 is the sort of uh, project whatever it is you're going through. <laughs> right, into the movie. It works, yeah. It fine. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's and it's more entertaining than watching like, uh, you know, some of Gus Van Sant's more recent films like right. Elephant or whatever, <laughs> or, or the one where they're all lost in the woods or the desert, I mean. Yeah. Um, okay, so... So what else we got? Escape from New York was on the list. We don't need to talk about that. Now this is, and obviously, like you said, we're not going to go through all of them, but I think that this also harkens back to what we were talking about um, last week. And that is uh, Return of the Living Dead. The the Dan O'Bannon film. Yeah. Uh, directed yeah. by Dan O'Bannon. Um, and, and as far as I'm concerned, in my top 10 theatrical movie going experiences, because you and I saw that in the theater together when we, yeah. were, when we were kids in, in the summer of 85. Um, it was a double feature with Fright Night and Return of the Living Dead. And we were both like, yeah, I don't know about this Return of the Living Dead. We'd already seen Romero's Day of the Dead that right. summer, yeah. um, which had blown us away. You know, we had to sneak into the theater to see it. And it was it was like one of those adventures of, of your early teen years. Yeah. And then Return of the Living Dead came out and we were like, well, you know, it was a double feature. And if I remember correctly, it was a double feature. Two was. 99 cents. So, um, you know, Fright Night was first and that was entertaining enough. But then I, Return of the Living Dead changed, changed my life in a lot of ways because it was um, that mix of horror and comedy. And at the same time, has one of the bleakest endings in the history right. of, you know. Yeah. Um, and it was a movie where I remember the end. Do we spoil it for people who haven't seen it? Sure. Well, at this point, you know, if you haven't seen it, good Lord, it's been 30 plus years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, coming up on 40 years, yeah. yeah. Um, now, the end of Return of the Living Dead ends with, uh, it basically, it, for those of you that haven't seen it, in this movie, zombies are very different than any other zombie movie you've ever seen before or since. And, and the key is that even if you destroy them, even if you burn them up to a crisp, the the the, the smoke and the ashes will then reinfect other corpses. And, and so it's just this never ending cycle. And so it's uh, the city of Louisville, Kentucky is, is besieged by zombies and the government solution is to drop a nuclear bomb on the, on the city. And, and it ends with, you know, the soldier going, well, you know, the, the, the explosion should have wiped out the infection and uh, yeah, and now the rain is taking care of the fires, right? And you know, because you just watched this movie, you just spent 90 minutes watching, you're like, oh, nope, this has just made it worse, right? Yeah. Setting it up, I believe, um, so like I said, this came out in 85, we were probably like 15 or 16 years old at the time, setting up the perfect sequel. Like yes. there was no way to go wrong with the sequel for Return of Living Dead. It's, well, yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you would have thought so. And uh, now, did you see the sequel in the theaters? Because I saw it in the theaters. Yes. And and were you, I remember going to see, because it was like maybe four or five years later. It was, yeah. it was um, 
it was after I'd already graduated high school. I know that much. Yep. And, and I remember going to see that movie and going, like, literally looking around the theater going, aren't I supposed to be laughing? Like, like yeah. isn't this... I laugh every time. I, I mean, to this day, it's 30-something years later. I still watch Return of the Living Dead, the first one, and I laugh hysterically, right? <laughs> yep. I don't recall laughing a single time in in the sequel, which was so poorly executed and then they did like four more they i know they did part three part four and part five so there's at least three more sequels after that and they were just they were awful man they were just (laughs) yeah it was uh that was not it was not good it was definitely not a not a good one yeah and 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 i think that that again gets into the heart of if you're going to make a sequel like make it for a reason and and study you know study the original film think about what was it that you know that people loved about the first one don't you don't recreate it but you continue the story um i can't stand when sequels that's the thing is is a a bad sequel a good sequel propels the story further Mm -hmm. and it it, you know it makes you want to know it tells you more about the characters it tells you more about the situation whatever it might be a bad sequel just makes you go well, there you go. You know, yeah, yeah. like like when they killed uh uh when when Joe Pesci gets killed in Goodfellas. And that's, and that's that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. um and this list is is there's so many more, but I, I, I think that, that um that encapsulates some of the real standout. Yeah, that, that that encapsulates some of the standouts. I think that there's there are some interesting ones that I, I didn't include. That I, and I think the one that I, I want to touch upon more than anything else, um, because it, it really actually, in some ways, does belong on the list, because um, with the exception of one sequel, as far as I'm concerned, and I know people disagree with me, is uh, is Alien, is Ridley Scott's Alien. Hmm. Uh, now, I love the sequel, Cameron's Aliens, which you know came out seven years later. Yeah. Uh, Alien was 79 and, and Aliens was 86. But I have not liked a single movie that's even remotely. So I didn't like Alien 3. I didn't like Alien Resurrection. I didn't like, um, I'm trying to remember the other ones there were. I didn't like Aliens versus Predator. I didn't like Pro, I, Prometheus. None of them. I didn't, Covenant, none of them. And, and, and every one was sort of this exercise. It was like, okay, maybe they're going to fix it this time. Maybe right. they're going to, and they never did. And and so I, I, yeah, I didn't put that on the list because Aliens is such a strong sequel. I don't think that it's better than the first film. I, I know people who, I, who I, I, I don't either. And I, I watch the first movie all the time. Yeah, yeah. So do I. Um, I almost, but, watched, it, I almost watched it last night. Actually, I was, I was going to say, gosh, I should watch Aliens. It's about that time to watch Alien again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 I think that's the proof is is that and 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 I really love the alien lore in general. Yeah, I probably should agree with you a little bit on on three because I actually do like three. Um, didn't like it when I saw it. Liked it a little bit later on on subsequent watches. I think that's David Fincher's first feature film, and yeah. so I think there's a lot of things that he does that are very Fincher-esque that are really really cool. Um, and and I kind of like what he was trying to do with it, but but I I, I don't 
I think you I'm in the minority. I think there's more people that are like they checked out after alien after aliens basically and yeah. and um and I get it. And then the new ones were were, were kind of tough to watch and I, I don't know what they're doing with architects and all that stuff and <laughs> aliens versus predators we don't even need to talk about because you know or, or for a second we could talk about it. My my issue with aliens versus predators it's always done for super cheap on a cheap budget, it seems. And so no one is, t- is spending the money to go, you know what would be cool is if it takes place in the alien world and it just it, it becomes aliens versus predators on Earth where the Wayland company was always trying to get the alien to Earth. Yeah. But instead, whenever they're on Earth, it's always like present day. Like, okay, well, you know, I think the last one was like, it was like they were in a town in the 20th century fighting aliens and predators with like regular shotguns. Like, like how did this even happen? So yeah, it, it looked um, like that last one they did look like it was shot on a budget of like $2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and I think that, you know. But I've watched aliens quite a bit, but, but definitely if you look at the review, yeah. The, the rewatching uh, uh, numbers. I've watched Aliens so many more times than I've watched Aliens. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's uh, and so I think that it's, but I think that it's interesting too because as a as a creator, for me, um, I often think about, oh, do I want to revisit these characters? Do I want to, you know, do I want to tell the the next part of this story? Right. And um, most of the time, the answer is like, no, not really. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's because if something resonates with people, it resonates. Why would you want to screw it up? Why would you, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, I, Why I would know. you want to make Predator 2 after you made Predator? Yeah. I mean, because there's one that belongs on the list, man. That That's like. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Same yeah. with RoboCop. Ro- like, how do you screw up RoboCop? But yeah. you did. They made a TV yeah. show out of it, and it just got worse. So. Yeah, I, I felt bad on Predator Two for Danny Glover. I felt worse for him because I was like, "Well, you went from Arnold Schwarzenegger, who at the time is the action hero, yeah. Dutch, and he looks like he could take an ass whooping from the Predator, and you believe it? Yeah, you know, you believe he could come out on top. And when they went to Predator Two, as much as I like Danny Glover, I was like, "Dude, you, you look like he should have punched you once, and you were dead. Like, like, like you look like you haven't seen the gym." You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so, so like, 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 how, how are you, how did I get from Dutch to you? You know what I mean? So yeah. as much as I love for the black man to always have a job and always be, you know, a, a, a hero and a protagonist in a movie, that was one where I was like, I don't know, bring back Carl Weathers and just give him some makeup so we just ignore that he was in the first one. And, you know, like, like I had, I, like, Weathers could play his twin brother. That's right, yeah. His, 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 right. It's Hollywood. His twin yeah. brother happens to be in LA and is a cop. And he's like, this, this is the guy that, these are the things that killed my, my twin brother in the jungle. So, yeah. But there's, now see, there's a movie, man. There it is, dude. Yeah. Uh, so before maybe, we wrap. Maybe a draped a media movie. Maybe we'll resurrect the Predator brand, you know, in like <laughs> 10 years from now. <laughs> ten, years from, ten years from now, when we're jaded because we've made so much money in Hollywood that we just start taking checks, like and like people go back and watch this. They're like, "But you guys were capping on those." We were like, "Yeah, you know what?" Ten years. And they later. offered us a lot of money. So, uh, you know, so I was, I was going to say before we wrap, uh, and it, here's the thing: uh, we each are going to pick off the top of our heads a movie that absolutely does not need a sequel. Um, the sequel would be terrible, and and you want to make it anyway. So I will start with mine. Okay. Cause I'm stalling. I can see the, okay. I, can, I can tell. Um, I would want to make a sequel to Velma and Louise. Uh, 
okay? And, and the sequel to Thelma and Louise would also be a prequel to Blade Runner. They're both Ridley Scott movies, right? So uh, they survived the crash and they are almost dead and they, they infuse them with like cybernetic implants and, and artificial body parts. And that is the beginning of, uh, of, of what become the replicants. And, and you know, they're, they're both crazy because they, the implants don't work. So you got a little bit of RoboCop in there. They don't quite remember who they are. So it's Thelma and Louise 2 is, is, uh, is a combination of Thelma and Louise, RoboCop, and Blade Runner. How's that for a sequel you never want to see? <laughs> wow. Um, I'm not even going to go there, dude. We're going to leave it with your sequel. Like, I can't top that. I, I was sitting here thinking, like, could I top that? And, and I can't. So, I, like, like I, I'm not even going to top that. I mean, yeah. No. I No. <laughs> no. You know right. what? We've come to the end of another episode. And we're going to leave it with... David Walker's um, absurd <laughs> explanation for a Thelma and Louise you know, a sequel. Yep. Well, you know what, everyone? Um, be good. All the badass mofos out there. Uh, we'll see you with episode five. Thanks a lot for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later.